Good afternoon, everybody. This is Steve Janikowski, and I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, our Chief Strategist. Welcome to our client update call. This call will last uh, about 20 minutes, and following the call, we will have a replay available on the website. As usual, we'll begin with a very high-level overview of the economy and the markets, and Christian will then take us on a deeper dive. Uh, and then after that, we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time. Everyone has been placed on mute to begin the call, and when we start the Q&A, you can unmute yourself. Uh, what we'd like to ask is if you're not asking a question, please leave yourself on mute so that we minimize the background noise. Since our last call, what's happened? Well, first, the, the markets have actually, even though they've gyrated wildly, they actually haven't moved all that much. They've only moved a few percent over the last roughly 30 days. We've had a textbook example, though, based on this volatility of why market timing is a silly pursuit. On three consecutive trading days beginning March 12th, the S&P 500 had the following returns. These are three days now. First day, minus 10%. Second day, plus 9%. Third day, minus 12%. I challenge anyone to try and time that. Uh, on on COVID-19, which is pretty much all you read about in the paper these days, uh, there's been an improvement in containing uh, COVID-19. Uh, isolation and lockdowns are working. Infection rates are going down. Uh, and this is morbid and freaky news, but we're probably reaching peak death rates this and next week. And it sounds gruesome, but actually, and as, as, as bad as it is for the people who, are, who are, are passing, it's actually positive to show that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that we're actually turning the tide in terms of containing covid for the economy, uh, economy is flat on its back. I mean, no, make no bones about it. It will get worse before it gets better. The lockdowns have shut down pretty much everything. You can look around in your home community, restaurants, retail shops, everything's closed. Unemployment is going up and it's gonna reach, pro probably reach post 1930s highs. Uh, the government monetary stimulus, fiscal stimulus and relief are beginning to kick in. You're starting to see more about that written in the media. And if you're a business owner, uh, you know, we probably be talking to you about some of those programs and your accountants will be talking to you about what it means for you personally and for your families. Uh, the recently enacted uh, Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, which is known as CARES, uh, has many important financial programs, relief programs for families, individuals, and businesses. And it's not gonna fix the economy. They're intended to bridge the gap until the virus is contained and the economy can get back on its feet. The good news, government stimulus and re relief programs, and by the way, we will need more. What they've, what they've issued so far will help, but I know we will need more, but it should help to begin stabilizing the economy. Uh, also, we're, we're close to seeing light at the end of the COVID-19 tunnel. So expect the stock market to explode on the upside once it's clear there's an end in sight. We don't need to fix the problem, have the problem completely fixed because that'll take, that'll take many, many months. Really what the market needs to see is that we actually have an end in sight where we're gonna be able to contain it. And lastly, uh, opening up of the economy, which should uh, begin, some countries are already uh, talking about this, some are actually starting to do it, should slowly get us back on our feet. However, this will take many months, if not quarters. This is not gonna be a quick recovery for the economy, although it may be a quick recovery for the stock market. So I'm gonna turn it over now to Christian, 
for a deeper dive into our views on trade, the economy, investment outlook, and whatever else is on his mind. Christian, take it away. Okay, good morning, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, and I'll be just talking for about the next 10, 11 minutes. Um, and then we'll leave some time open for you know at least five minutes or however long people need for, for Q&A. So um, that's, that's, our, that's a kind of the next, how we're going to run the next next few minutes. Also be running some charts. And um, so maybe Debbie, you could put up the first one that we have. Um, and I would, uh, uh, I would just kind of pick up where Steve uh, finished and talk about, um, we've just, we've seen a lot of volatility, obviously the, the VIX, which is probably the most followed volatility measure. It was trading mostly around 10 to 15 for most of the last two years, occasional spikes. Um, and then it just soared up to 60 and 80. And this is, uh, you know, so we got four or five times the volatility that we've been used to. And that's just created a lot of disturbances and a lot of, you know, intraday movements. So this is uh, quite exceptional what we've seen. The other exceptional thing is kind of shown in this chart is that um, the, the speed of what has happened here. We've um, normally when you get a recession, most recessions are caused by some combination of a credit problem, the end of a credit cycle, an over leveraged part of the economy, households most obviously in, uh, in 2008, 2009, corporations in 2000, and, um, or some big hike in interest rates, which is meant to kill off the credit bubble. This one is different in every possible way. This is like a withdrawal of labor. It's like everybody just went home. Um, and the speed of that has been uh, you know, quite incredible. We've taken, normally it's taken about, as uh, shown in this chart, anywhere from three months to uh, nine months to, to, uh, for, the, for, the, for the stock market to correct from an all-time high to fall 20%. People normally in a, in a, in a downturn, think, begin to see bad numbers, begin to extrapolate those out. Some industries begin to lay off people. The Fed begins to talk about uh, tightening and you see the recession sort of coming. And this one is, uh, is, is sort of unparalleled. And it took about 22 days to go from its you know, all-time market high to 20% and, and below that. So we shouldn't discount the fact that we are seeing things which we've never seen before in so many ways. The, the cause of this actual contraction as well as the speed of it are, are pretty un, unprecedented. We just go on to the next chart. Um, obviously what's happened here is we've seen this enormous spike in weekly job claims. And up until about 10 days ago, we were tracking sort of high frequency data because all the data we had was out of date. Everything we were getting was from February late February, first or week or so of March. And it's all the normal numbers you look at, like industrial production and manufacturing and trade and consumer confidence were, were sort of way out of date. So it was the claims numbers that, that first showed us what was going on. Um, and so they, they were sort of, this chart was a pretty boring chart up until about three weeks ago, sort of bubbling along at about 220,000, um, you know, the all-time peak, before then was just under 700,000 in 1982, 600,000 uh, in, uh, in 2007, 2009. And then suddenly we got this big one, 3.3 million a week ago, 
um, and then 6.6 million last Thursday. So uh, this is just symptomatic of how quickly certain industries have shed labor. And if we go on to the next chart, um, of course, everything that's been consumer facing has essentially had their business uh, totally undermined. So we've had plenty of anecdotes about restaurants. We've seen uh, you know, data from Open Table, which is a uh, a website which does pretty much like it sounds, uh, does restaurant bookings, and then literally their bookings have gone to zero. I mean, it's just a hundred percent down. You know, airlines we know about. I think the only airlines are only sort of doing you know threadbare coverage of certain flights, and they're still doing some freight flights. But other those those have come down enormously. Cruises, entertainment. Leisure and hospitality industry, anything consumer facing has been hit hard. That's about 11% of the, of the workforce. Uh, and you've got to believe that, you know, at least half of those are, are, have been furloughed and others will follow. Now, these are the payroll numbers that came out last Friday. But as I mentioned in the blog, these payroll numbers are taken from, these are for March, so published April the 1st. And the survey was taken the 12th day of March, which was before things really started to, to bite. That was the day that California or certainly San Francisco and surrounding counties went into a shutdown, but it was a full week before New York went into shutdown. So it wasn't really reflecting, um, you know, what's gone on since then. But even so, we went from job gains of about 150 to 200,000 being the high, which has been the norm for the last few years, to suddenly this big $701,000 uh, uh, losses in in new farm payrolls so that spiked the um the un unemployment rate from about 3.5 to 4.4 you can see that and there's no doubt this is a very good recession indicator if you get a big move in unemployment that quickly you can bet that uh, the recession uh, you know through all of its different parameters and different definitions is is well underway um so uh, we would expect you know kind of other other numbers to to deteriorate over the next month or two if we get a claims number this week of you know over two million then we're probably at an unemployment rate of about 14 15 percent as steve mentioned uh, so that's all you know happening you know very very quickly um next chart just to sort of temper the 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 mood here actually we can go on to the next one um temper the mood here is a lot of talks about this is depression it's going to be awful it's going to be you know massive people unemployed and this wasn't helped by some pretty radical estimates from people who i think should have known better uh, but a depression really is what we would describe as sort of meeting the the requirements of 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 depth duration and dispersion so depth has got to be really bad you know, sudden collapse in demand and confidence um Duration, it's got to last for a long time. You know, we're talking multiple quarters, years, not just a quarter or two. And dispersion, it has to be right across every single industry. And that's just not happening. Yes, for every, I mean, it, there are certainly the uh, industries which are hurting far outweighs the number which are benefiting, but some are benefiting, obvious ones like Amazon and some of the internet companies and, and, and food retailing and so on. Uh, I mean, they're not making a fortune because they're having to keep their prices down. But, um, but not all parts of the economy are, are hurting um, by any means. And I throw this chart up because you can see what happened in the recession uh, in, um, 
in sorry, what to call that? Third in recession, depression in the 1930s, where interest rates were sky high in real terms. They were 14% in real terms, and all those blue bars below the line were deflation. You know, prices were dropping like a stone by, you know, up to 50% a year, and they were getting nothing like that uh, in this in this in this time around. Also, what we're seeing this time around is. The Fed back then was totally asleep at the switch. The U.S. was on the gold standard. Interest rates were raised. Uh, the government um, contracted because uh, that was the sort of seemed to be the way to deal with problems at that time. Uh, and of course, nothing of that nature is happening today either. And also, just as a reminder back there, there are absolutely no social benefits. So being unemployed meant essentially being you know, on the breadline. I mean, being unemployed is is not great by any means, but, uh, but there is some income replacement, uh, which, which goes on. Um, so next chart, if we, so, so I think uh, the takeaway from there is, look, this is not like a depression. Uh, it, this will move relatively quickly, I think, once uh, we seem to get some sort of testing and treatment and containment you know, underway, and that's, that's obviously happening. It's, it's, it's the question of how long it takes, not if it happens. Um, we kind of went through different scenarios here. I mean, I'll kind of concentrate on the second one. You can always paint disaster scenarios at either end of the curve, but this one we really think is that, uh, you know, shutdowns will be on a rolling nature. I mean, some might come off, you know, quickly. Some are talking about the end of April. Uh, certainly that's happened in some other countries. Germany and Austria have said that they will likely begin to open up businesses on a gradual basis within about three weeks. Others are much further away, of course, in different parts of the cycle. But you know, I think what we'll do is we'll see kind of rolling shutdowns. As we've seen rolling shutdowns, we'll see rolling openings. And uh, there'll be a kind of a slow rehiring. Consumers will pick up from probably where they were. It doesn't mean they're going to go out and go crazy and buy all the big consumer goods they might have been planning. But I think generally we'll, we'll see the economy kind of rolling up to a, a better close. And that's more like... Uh, 2009 or 1975, where you know, it was a fairly fairly long drawn out, but it was you know it did come back, uh, and it came back within a couple of years. Um, just a couple of quick charts on the on the market. Um, if you can get the next one, uh, this one just shows how quickly again the, the market has come down. That top bluish line is is just the S and P coming down from its peak of 3,400. 2300 so that kind of just shows again how quickly this has happened that middle line is interesting because uh, sorry the even the, the one even below is, is is very interesting and it shows the uh, the real earnings yield which is kind of way of calculating how companies are uh, what, what they're earning off their hard assets and um, you know when this is a very low number it's uh, it's it's usually not very good for the market this is a this has begun to climb up a little bit it shows that it you know it's not as cheap as it was in 20 end of 2018, but it's gradually got a little bit better. And these numbers are slightly out of date. So I, I expect that on the next slide, actually, we can see that the market's beginning to uh, look not hugely cheap. I mean, these are the ranges of the price earnings ratios, which is a pretty- Richard, do, you, do you mind if we go back one slide? I, I, th I thought there was something useful for people to point out there. If you look at the yellow line at the far right, 6.52%, that's the earnings yield. So if you take the price earnings multiple, divide that into one, that's how you come up with the earnings yield. And the earnings yield is interesting because it gives you a rep, it gives you an idea of how cheap stocks are, how valuable stocks are relative to other asset classes. And when bonds are yielding anywhere from zero to 2% right now, it tells you there's a huge risk premium built into stocks already. So probably anywhere from a 
five to four and a half to five percent risk premium built into stocks. So it tells you the severity of the market given the interest rate market we're in. Sorry, Christian. Go ahead. Uh, so let's go back to the other slide. It, it just sort of reinforces the same sort of story that Steve was mentioning that um, if you look, look 2018, um, you can see that the market, that 13.55, that's when we thought the market was pretty looking pretty cheap. And that was when there were a lot of fears about the trade war's consequences. Then gradually over 2019, the market got you know, slowly more expensive. In other words, the, the, the price and the rating, the valuations of the market went up faster than earnings. Uh, and then by the beginning of this year, we had a pretty rich multiple of 19. And now it's come down to about 14, just under 14, which is slightly cheaper than it's normally been. Um, what we're waiting for now is, is how big the earnings revisions are for companies. And we'll begin to know over the next couple of weeks just how big a hit companies are going to take. But, uh, but generally, my takeaway from this is the market has corrected pretty well. It doesn't mean that it can't get cheaper. There could be a, a break in confidence at any one time, which could send another 5 or 10% lower. But it does seem to be stabilizing uh, a, a little bit. Um, and the recent market activity since the quarter end has been very rational. We've seen companies with good earnings prospects who are going to be less uh, hurt by the by any downturn doing well and those companies which are highly cyclical uh, and are going to be hurt by continuing low interest rates like banks um, uh, doing not so well which is a kind of a much better case than all things just being all sold indiscriminately so there's a little bit of sense of order coming coming back into it Christian, would you would you say that in your view that the the the, the, uh, the government is doing what it really needs to do I mean the Fed Reserve stepped right in uh, we passed uh, a number of relief acts. Uh, I mean, this could have gotten really, really out of hand if we didn't do anything. So uh, what are your thoughts on how well the government's responding to this? Well, I think there's, there's two ways to answer that. First one is the monetary policy. And the Fed threw the kitchen sink at this thing. So very, very quickly, what, what took them eight to nine months to do in 2008, 2009, they essentially did in 10 days. So they are now the backstop for all treasuries, all commercial paper, all money market mutual funds, corporate bonds, repos, which is a way of keep, kind of keeping the credit market going, mortgage-backed securities, municipal securities, um, and I probably left some out. But essentially, they are the they are uh, uh, the the buyer of anything which is, gets stuck in the credit markets, and that's really, really a good a a, a good indication of uh, how quickly the Fed has. Uh, has reacted. And it's not just the Fed. The European Central Bank has followed through. The Bank of Japan has followed through. So monetary policy, 10 out of 10. It's been great. Fiscal policy. I mean, the CARES Act is, I think the way to think about it is a kind of a disaster relief um, fund, a bit like sort of FEMA coming in and replacing stuff that has been, you know, where the hole has been dug out. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big as $2 trillion because I don't think they can get the money fast enough to people. But I think the, the, the willingness is there and it's, you know, it certainly helps some confidence. And then the extension of unemployment benefits will mitigate the damage to household uh, earnings and spending. But it's also been followed through with uh, other fiscal programs in Germany, the UK and Japan. So that's all good. Handling of the medical crisis, I'll leave you other people to comment on that. But, uh, but I think, you know, generally the monetary policy and the fiscal policy has been you know, has been, uh, has, has, been, has been very good. And I think the lifeline that's going to be thrown to small businesses is absolutely critical. 
about 55% of the US working population of 160 million is employed by companies of 50 or less. So those are the guys who don't have huge cash flow buffers, don't have a lot of equity. They might have a small line of credit with their banks, but if they're not, if they're not open, they're not selling. If they're not selling, they don't get revenues and they can't revenues, they can't afford to keep employees on, uh, on the payroll. So, so the lifeline out to them, I think is, is very important. Um, the deficit, just because that seems to be the corollary, the mirror image of the $2 trillion uh, package, not a problem. We can certainly handle it. Uh, there's a huge demand for treasuries. Um, I don't think it's at all inflationary. In fact, if we got any inflation, it would be a blessing just because it would show you know, an excess of demand over supply. Uh, but I, I think the deficit, you know, worrying about the deficit at this point of the cycle is, uh, is, is, is unnecessary. Okay, so I'll just kind of summarize here. Um, we've, number one, we have this, you know, full liquidity and functioning credit markets. I can't, I can't uh, you know, over, over um, exaggerate, exaggerate how important that is because when you've got lockups, as you did in 2000, 2009, people run very, very scared. We also have this fiscal response, as Steve mentioned. It's on a global basis. I think it's going to continue. There'll be other, other responses that we have. Um, and also my kind of third takeaway is that this is a quick shock. Um, I, I don't know whether recovery is going to be V-shaped and, you know, it's all bounced back very quickly. I kind of doubt it, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, setting the economy down to a permanently lower plateau, which is the kind of famous L-shaped economy revival. You know, skills won't atrophy. Capital is not being destroyed. Manufacturing won't be, you know, permanently closing. Yes, there's going to be tons of anecdotes about a restaurant that was never able to reopen. But, you know, those skills and those locations will still be around. Um, and I, I, I think the, uh, the, the relative quickness of companies to come back from that will, will, will surprise us. Um, obviously, you know, individual stories are going to be very difficult. You know, we, we work with a lot of, you know, dentists and they've had to close businesses and, you know, they won't have any, any custom uh, but they but they will be able to reopen and they and they will be able to you know respond to uh, upticks in demand. So that's our quick take. Um, stocks continue to be pretty volatile. We've had a couple of you know good days, and I said you know the the, the market uh, the stocks that have gone up kind of makes sense. The stocks have gone down makes sense, which they didn't before. And bonds, we're just going to be in a low interest rate environment for a very very long time. Treasuries are going to look of like a very meager yield, but they're safe um, and, uh, you know, the highest credit quality. And, uh, you know, you really got to be in high quality bonds right now because anything around high yield or emerging market debt is, like, is likely to continue to have some, some really tough times. I've kind of gone over my allotted time. We've got one question here. Um, Steve, do you want to take that or I can read it out? Um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll just read this out though. So we have one question. Can you please talk about bond total returns specifically for the big holdings we have, iShares Treasury and Vanguard tax exempt, figuring in yields which are going down and prices going up, what might, what might the total return look like at the end of the year? Might these be the winners in our portfolio? What I would say is that they've been the winners in your portfolio um, during this entire market decline. Uh, treasuries primarily because everybody, there was a flight to quality and everybody jumped on and bought treasuries. And that's why treasury returns have been so extraordinary. Other bonds, less so. 
And until the Fed started, started backstopping some other bonds, uh, bonds in general did not necessarily do all that well, but they've had a recovery since then. Um, and I'll, I'll take a stab at this. Uh, if we have a recovery between now and the some type of recovery between now and the end of the year, I suspect bonds are not going to do super well uh, because some of these yields, which are very, very low, will probably come up a little bit. Christian may have a different view on that. So I don't expect bonds to do a whole lot, but they will continue to be great shock absorbers and yield generators for the portfolio. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, treasuries are, are a benefit from two things. They're the, um, they're the ultimate sort of uh, risk-off trade. And there's a lot of uh, you know, banks and financial companies around the world who can't buy enough of them because they need them for capital requirements. Um, so I think the, the, the bonds that U.S. Treasuries will pr pretty much along the entire curve will, will be very attractive. California munis, um, I mean, they're taking a little bit of a hit right now, but I think, uh, you know, the high quality ones will continue to do, continue to do pretty well. So I think I agree with Steve, they're kind of the winners in our portfolio. We've got another question from uh, a good friend of the firm. Um, where do you think real estate market will go, housing prices? Well, the good news is that the housing market was in very good shape up until about five or six weeks ago. And we've seen no indications yet of a turn in that there will be a turn but i don't think it's going to be you know devastating or anything like what we saw uh, 10 years ago so up until about 10 years ago housing starts um existing house sales new house purchases refinancings house prices were all holding up really well because they were benefiting from the downturn in interest rates from 2019 um I think that you know supply is still relatively short. This is on a kind of a national basis, but especially in the Bay Area. So unless I don't think there's any going to be any fire sales, um, and I think you know as always happens in how in real estate cycles, the high end gets clocked, you know, much much more than the affordable. Now that those are different numbers for different parts of the country, but um, you know if if you're selling something like a ten thousand square foot. Uh, custom-built mansion in Menlo Park that might might be difficult to sell right now but it, but uh, in other places where there's kind of normal housing I think the housing prices will definitely kind of go sideways and there might be a you know some sales which are more under pressure people have had to relocate or change in job circumstances or something like that but but I think generally the housing prices will will hold up pretty well we have another question um... As I understand what you have said, you think the recovery will be a U-shape. What is the probability of that recovery and the time frame? Um, I think this is a Christian, Christian question. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's going to be more U-shape because the V-shape is very unlikely. I mean, in the sense that we've had um, six, nine, 11 million people go on to the unemployment payrolls in two weeks. So I, I don't think companies are going to be quite confident enough to hire them all back. Um, so best case, I think, and it's a reasonable case, is that it, it will kind of go along the bottom or, you know, at, 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 it, at the bottom of the cycle anyway, for, uh, you know, two or three months. And, um, but I think by the fourth quarter, Look, we're going to get very bad numbers in the second quarter, you know, GDP, unemployment, all the kind of major economic numbers. And I think they will be less bad 
in the third quarter and start to turn around in the fourth quarter. So I, I think we're, we're looking at a, you know, back to where we were probably six to nine months, but, but back from the bottom sooner than that. We have another question. Uh, is it reasonable to ask the timing of when you think our portfolios might recover their losses? Uh, well, that's always a tough question, but let me see if I can, let me see if I can share this. Give me a minute. Oh, I can't, I can't, uh, well, the other participant is sharing. Okay. I have a, uh, uh, Debbie, I have a slide. Is there any way to show this? Debbie, was that a yes, no? Or I could um, send it to you and you could um, maybe possibly post it. Steve, did you try sharing at the bottom of your screen there? Yeah, it won't let me share because Debbie's currently sharing. She'd have to let go. You can try it now again. Okay, let me try again. She took off. Okay, let me try this. All right. Bear with me. Okay, here we go. Okay, there we go. Right. Um, this chart here is uh, shows previous um, up uh, down markets and how long it took to recover. And then also um, what the, the return was afterwards. So there's no real specific answer to your, the question of how long it will take to recover, but this should give you some perspective how long previous markets have gone down. And we're into this, this was a very violent, as Christian's first chart shows, it went down really, really quickly. In fact, I think it was the, wasn't this the, uh, the fastest decline uh, on, on uh, record, Christian? Yes, it was. Yes. Right. So, so you can see that this, this already has been, uh, you know, there have been more severe down markets than this, but this is still a fairly severe down market and we're only one month into it. So given how quickly it moved, I don't know how uh, relevant the previous um, months to recovery are relative to this because it seems that the markets are moving faster with, um, you know, computerized trading and, um, uh, and, 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 it, and it, it, I don't, it's less, involved, less about individuals and more about institutions, which move the market very quickly. But you can see in all cases, there are substantial recoveries in the markets, which last quite a long time. So uh, hopefully this is a little helpful, but there's no real way of answering your question specifically. Um, we have an, another question on uh, less of a question than a comment. A positive sign is that no one is talking about Bitcoin. So there seems to be no fleeing to the fanciful. Yeah, I think that is 
that is a good a good sign um you know this is normally it used to be the gold bugs would come out now and present charts about how wonderful gold was when uh when uh, things were going south very very quickly um gold has not been a great performer um and i think that no one is really shouting up bitcoin as the sort of ultimate uh, store of value so th that's good in fact <laughs> uh etf flows have been positive this year so you know it's not like people have gone screaming for the hills and and said get me out of here which is what happened in 2008 2009 sure people have moved from different asset classes and they might have moved from equities to money market funds uh, or or to bonds or or yeah, that's probably the most likely trade. But people are not, you know, withdrawing, you know, from the market wholesale or trying to find some other, uh, you know, asset class which you think will bail them out. And I would say that's 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 a good sign. So we've gotten we've we've gotten um, uh, all um, uh, typed in answers on the Q and A section. Uh, we you can also uh, call in, call in if you took your microphone off mute if somebody wanted to ask a question. But I think we've covered all the questions that have, wait, no, there's some more. Ah. Um, any advice on dealing with RMDs based on CARES? Well, the, um, you now have the ability to um, not take your RMD. And if you have taken your RMD, um, you can actually, you have the, there's a potential to put it back, but it's a little bit complicated. Uh, and so you would need to speak with your CPA about that. But uh, I think the, the, the idea behind not requiring people to, forcing them to take RMDs was so that they can allow those, those funds to, to recover. Um, there's another question there about how do you feel about adding floating rate notes now? Um, as, as many clients would know, we've sort of started going into floating rate, floating rate notes uh, sort of end of 20, middle of 2018 when the Fed was rising, uh, was increasing rates. So they were just tracking up from the 30-day bills, which at that time were about 50 basis points, and they went up to you know, nearly 2%. And they've also helped us a little bit on the way down. They haven't paid a lot of coupon, but they've kept their value stable at 100 Right now, they're you know tracking the 30-day bill, which is uh, not quite zero, but pretty darn close. So, um, I think we're beginning to sort of move out of them. Um, we're, we're actually creating a, a bond portfolio, um, uh, a type of ladder, um, but uh, we're letting some of these uh, you know run off uh, until maturity. And yeah, we could do a little bit better by going into 30, 90-day bills, but these are intended to being to incredibly safe assets right now. And I don't feel that we can quite put our foot on the gas on going you know, all in. So we, we still continue to hold them through to maturity, which is mostly um, uh, second half of this year. And one last thing that we, we didn't really bring up, but um, something that we do, and, and you, we don't have to do it that frequently unless there are uh, significant market moves either up or down, which is portfolio rebalancing. So again, uh, for, uh, as a reminder, a refresher, uh, when the markets run up, uh, the equities will get higher than the allocation that we had designed and we'll trim equities and move that into bonds and vice versa. When the market goes down, equities go down faster than bonds. So the percentage allocation equities goes down. Uh, we will um, sell bonds to bring equity. 
the equity back to target, which is a really is, is a systematic way of, in other words, of uh, taking money off the table when prices have gone up and buying things when things have gotten cheap. Um, we're not, again, because of the uncertainty of how long this is going to last, uh, we're not doing this in one fell swoop, but we're doing it in tranches. Uh, we had already begun that about two weeks ago, and we'll continue with that um, and, and monitor, obviously, what's going on with the markets and the economy. Yeah, uh, I think that's on to the other question there. And uh, here's a great question. Is Wells Fargo just testing the government cap before they fund the PPP? Yes, yes. Wells Fargo is whining about having their balance sheet capped from a year or two ago because they did some things which um, uh, they, they shouldn't have. So, you know, so, so the Fed said, right, you know, you're constrained on your on, on the expansion of your balance sheet. So I noticed the other day that you know, the Wells Fargo said, well, we can't really participate in the PPP because we're not allowed to expand our balance sheet, which was a little petulant, I thought. But anyway, so I think uh, they're gonna be, it probably will be uh, irrelevant because those uh, PPP loans will be directly bought by the Fed anyway, or, or given zero capital requirements. So um, I think that's just Wells Fargo being Wells Fargo. Good. Well, thanks. We've gone over a lot of time. Uh, if people have any questions, feel free to send them to me or Steve at Seathwaite's at uh, BNJ Advisors or um, you contact us, us through the website or your kind of your normal uh, contact into the firm. Happy to answer any other specific questions or in more detail. Um, and thank you, uh, Carolyn and Debbie in, in the background here, making this all work for us. And um, if, if, if you'd like to do more of these, just let us know. We're happy to do them. And we'll continue, obviously, to keep you informed through daily course of business and through the weekly blog. Great. Thank you, everybody, for attending today. And yeah, well, I have, I have now come to the part which everybody loves. And I'm going to give people lots of time here because this is the disclaimer. And here it comes. Ready to get your stopwatch. Okay. <laughs> Please note that this discussion of our investments and investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments investment strategy at the day of this commentary. is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will represent the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general informational purposes only. References to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The security is mentioned in this commentary only several of the successful as well as unsuccessful investments buyers and do not represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable the source of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data, past performance, no indication of future results. Nicely done, Christian. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.